Welcome to How the Song Came to Be, where soulful songwriters share the stories behind their songs, as well as tools and creative practices you can use to bring your best songs or other creative works to life. I'm Ann Heaton, your host. When I got cancer, in a way, it it kind of solidified, it's, it anchored in this part of my identity in a way like it gave me a new platform to stand on and speak from um, because I had this experience. And so now I can speak from my experience and I can also show up and support other people um, as they have similar experiences. Welcome songwriters, I'm Ann Heaton, your host and founder of Soul Song School. Our guest today is Mai Bloomfield. Mai is a singer, songwriter, cellist, and guitarist from California. She writes songs from the heart and loves to collaborate. As a solo artist, she's received songwriting awards from Kerrville, Telluride, and Rocky Mountain Folks Festival. As a collaborator, she plays, writes, and records with various artists, including Raining Jane, Jason Mraz, Adam Cohen, Sarah Bareilles, and Willie Porter. Along with her bandmates of 15 years in Raining Jane, she co-wrote the chart-topping album Yes with Jason Mraz, and she has toured with him around the world. In 2016, wow, she had the honor of playing on Leonard Cohen's album You Want It Darker. Mai also helped start the Rock and Roll Camp for Girls Los Angeles, a not-for-profit dedicated to empowering girls through music. Whether performing, writing, or mentoring, Mai brings a combination of strength and vulnerability to her work. Her songs often speak of the pursuit of finding light inside the dark, a theme that was magnified in her own life when she became a breast cancer survivor. She is currently working on a book about that experience and the insights that came through it and hopes her story will inspire and encourage others on their creative paths. Welcome, Mai. Thank you, Anne. There's so much in there that I want to talk about, so much richness. I just want to dive in. Um, But maybe, would you start us off with a song? I'd be happy to. Thank you so much for having me. This is such a treat. Thank you. Okay. This is called Sway. Every now and then I wake up in the middle of a dream 
can't be sure what is real or fantasy so i close my eyes and i turn down the light make it last all night morning comes too soon when Swaying to the moon Every now and then I wake up in the middle of a dream Can't be sure what is real or fantasy So I close my eyes Fly in the night, you and I, Thank you, my. Thank you. So gorgeous. Thank you for playing that. Yeah, wow. you're welcome. A song about a full moon sung at 10 in the morning. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, just now. So. Oh, it's sung at 10, yeah. <laughs> 10 in the morning. <laughs> yeah, like getting, getting the pipes going. Yeah, so yeah. beautiful. So I would love to ask you, I, I know we've known each other sometime, but I don't know the answer to this question which is what um how and why did you start songwriting what compelled mm -hmm. you to begin um i'm probably like many young girls who got a journal when they were about seven years old um and i really i think it really started there with journaling and this love for writing down you know what's inside and and some sort of magnetism about words you know just loving the feeling of writing words on a page um, so I think journaling is where the actual writing process started of tuning into something um, maybe that's unexpressed or that's inside and you want to get it out and um, when I was 15 I got my first guitar um, and then that just kind of created a foundation for the songs to come into life I had been playing cello since I was nine, but I wasn't writing songs on cello. You know, I was playing right. orchestra and learning about music and um, developing my ear for music. And um, so then, but the songwriting came to probably in grade school. And then when I got this guitar at 15, um, I just started turning the journal writing and the poetry into song and giving it musical structure. Um, and I think when I think back, actually, like why I started becoming fascinated with song lyrics, you know, instead of just journaling or poetry was um, I grew up going to summer camp, sleepaway camp. Mm -hmm. And every summer, you know, it was like campfire circle 
singing these songs, all James Taylor, Simon and Garfunkel, Cat Stevens. Um, and I just loved, loved, loved the spirit of people singing together. Mm. I think those songs, you know, had messages that made us want to, you know, if I had a hammer, like that song, um, it just felt like something you could rally behind and commune together with through songs. So um, those, all those strong folk singer songwriters got into my DNA as a kid. Mm -hmm. And then when I got that guitar, it was just like, okay, I want to write my own songs. And I actually started by I mean, I did sort of start to learn how to play Stairway to Heaven, but mostly I was writing my own songs. Like from the get-go, I just wanted to write original songs and um, didn't grow up learning a lot of covers and that kind of a thing. Yeah. yeah. What do you feel like as you started writing your own songs at 15 and, and moving beyond that, what do you feel like it gave you? Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, there's, I think it satisfied a couple things for me on the one hand it made it gave me an outlet like when I would write a song and have a reason to share it um it gave me on a personal level the satisfaction the joy of creating something and sharing it you know like exposing something and wanting to just share that with people um but the other thing was it 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 brought people together um mm. And it gave people an opportunity to even just listen together and feel something. Um, the first song I wrote, the first couple songs I wrote, you know, were just for me, it was, you know, about my boyfriend and my, my lonely heart and all the stuff, you know, being a teenager. Um, it was called My Life is in a Bottle. And, you know, you think you're all the angst and no one understands except me. Um, so those were just songs that I just sung in my bedroom by myself. But then I had this one friend who I shared the song with, and she really encouraged me to sing in front of people. She's like, you should sing, the, you know, share this with friends. We were in high school, and I don't know what happened, but I got the nerve to sign up for our graduation, our senior graduation. I decided to write a song for our senior class. Oh, wow. And that was my first actual playing in front of people thing and it was that at, is so at, brave to have that <laughs> <laughs> I know I don't I think I had I had definitely been a performer since I was a kid so I was used to being on stage as a dancer I was always dancing and in orchestra you know we're putting on performances and so I was I was comfortable with that but certainly you know, writing your own song and standing up there and singing and playing the guitar in front of people was a whole different level of um, courage and vulnerability. And so my friend Julie, she said, I'll, I'll sing it with you. And so she was in the choir. And so she knew all the harmonies. And, mm -hmm. and I wrote this song and it was called Four Years Ago and um, sang it for the high school graduation, probably for a thousand people. And that was, you know, it sold me in that moment because that was, mm. that was the culmination of, you know, the answer to your question, um, kind of what did, what did, what does the writing of songs do for me or what, what do I get out of it? And um, I think it was that being able to create something and share it, but then also for a purpose for it to mean something for all these people and to, 
anchor a, an experience that we all had together. Mm. Oh, I mm. love that. Did people sing along? Uh, I don't remember. Yeah. I mean, but it definitely, I think it was meaningful to people because yeah. they felt like it was for them. Like it was yes, yeah. for them. And That's so yeah. beautiful. I love that. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, I also think something that comes to mind is just like when you know why you're writing something, it's like easier. It can be easier to write it. Um, yeah. And you know you were writing it for your classmates and yeah. you could visualize, you know, probably presenting it while you were writing it. So um, cool. Well, I want to ask you, you said this amazing thing in your bio about how your songs often um, are looking for the light um, in the dark. And I would just love to know like what your journey with breast cancer has taught you about songwriting life or creativity um, mm -hmm. that you can, that you now utilize. Well, it's such a, it's a great question. Um, breast cancer. I was, I was diagnosed just about five years ago and there's so many life lessons you get from that. You know, if you're the one going through it or if it's a loved one. Um, and man, it really did impact my songwriting. Um, I'm probably going to give you a long winded answer here. No, That's uh, we have plenty of time. I mean, it's a huge question. Yeah, it's a huge yeah. question. Um, well, first when I, this is interesting. So, um, as a songwriter going through a crisis like that, where your whole life is really turned upside down and you start to see everything differently. And um, it, it was just a really intense time. And I felt uh, I, I wasn't really picking up my guitar writing while I was going through the hardcoreness mm -hmm. of it. Um, yeah. chemo and, um, and I, was struggling with that as a songwriter I thought oh my gosh I I should be writing about this because this is the, this is the, you know the big stuff like we all as writers often get great songs out of breakups you know like when things fall apart you have something you needy to chew on and write a song about and I thought well oh my gosh going through cancer like how how much deeper could it get you know this is this is the stuff that I should be writing about. And I, I didn't uh, feel the, the wherewithal to pick up my guitar and write. I would try a little bit here and there, but I just wasn't quite available for it. Um, and it was, it was nagging on me. I was worried about it. I started mm. worrying that I wasn't writing and um, got really nervous and I was missing this opportunity and then started making myself feel bad. And, you know, I would talk to other singer songwriter friends and say like, I don't know, should I be writing songs? And they all said, don't worry, it'll come when it's time. Yeah. And I tried to trust that even though I was a little annoyed with it too. Like, but what if it doesn't, you know? And so, but I trusted the process as far as songwriting goes. And I also, so I waited to write um, but I started journaling in a different way and gathering I mean because when you're going through this your sense of clarity is so heightened your priorities are suddenly very clear and all the bullshit goes to the side and you realize how much time 
we fill our lives with unnecessary chitter chatter and worry and oh there's just so much and it just I just saw it all fall to the wayside and so I started writing and journaling and and sort of categorizing as I was writing I would star things and I came up with a little numbering system where I would like just mark different things I was writing with this sense in the back of my mind that I'm going to I'm going to save these nuggets these are gold nuggets and they're wisdom and insights that I'm getting from this dark time you know I felt like I was finding these moments of light and I just wanted to save them but I wasn't mm -hmm. ready to put them into song yet mm -hmm. I didn't want to lose them so I wrote them down and I would tag them and I got a uh, a big epiphany through that process that I wanted to write a book uh, for people going through crisis. And when, you know, life is suddenly kind of unhinged, uh, we get so much, we learn so much through those trying experiences. And as songwriters, my question is, well, how do we put that into our art, you know, and when? So I'm working on a book right now to give people a little bit of a support structure to cultivate and gather your gold nuggets and don't worry about having to make something out of it right now. Mm -hmm. We're going to put them in this little treasure chest and just relax. They're going to be right here for you when you're ready. So um, that's what, that's one thing I'm working on right now. And um, I love that. Uh, can I just highlight something that I think you're saying? I, I feel like, um, you know, you're, there's like a real delineation between, um, writing down things because it's helping you process or capturing these gold nuggets versus actually creating a song, you know, so it's not black or white, like either yeah. you're doing something or you're not, you're doing this, but um, I'm trying to like relate. I don't know what it is, but when you create a song, it's almost like you're giving birth. And I would think I haven't been through what you've been through, but I know when my daughter was sick and living at the hospital and, mm -hmm. um, when we had another family tragedy, I know I was like concerned. I felt like I had to conserve my resources or like conserve my energy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I can remember writing like a, a letter to a friend or an email to a friend and that kind of had my gold from what I was learning in it, but that's all I yeah. could do. I couldn't, yeah. I wasn't going to be like writing a, a song about it. Not, not in that moment. Um, yeah, but so I really um, I love how you kind of you know delineate the, those two things, and I think that's so beautiful. Um, yeah, yeah, that you were able to capture those things and and now share them with others. Mm -hmm. You know, I also well the email thing you said is so great because I was writing really like deep emails to my close circle of friends, like this little support network. And I was giving updates and I felt like that's where a lot of the gold was, you know, it was just in these letters that I was writing. So I saved all those and now I'm going through those too. Mm -hmm. And cause there's wisdom in there. And um, I think as songwriters, you know, that's one thing a lot of us try to do is tap into some wisdom that we've learned or we've heard or we've, discovered and to share that in an original yeah. way so those yeah. emails are so valuable like it's it's another form of communication yeah because um, probably in that moment you're like this is something I need to say to my friend or like this is something I need to get off my chest to someone who yeah. loves me you're not like what would be a good way to <laughs> yeah you know yeah yeah 
It can be really powerful. Um, another thing you made me think of is, uh, so that, let's see if I can explain this. When I got cancer, in a way, it it kind of solidified, it's, it anchored in this part of my identity. In a way, like it gave me a new platform to stand on and speak from. Um, because I had this experience. And so now I can speak from my experience and I can also show up and support other people um, as they have similar experiences. Um, But somehow as a singer-songwriter, as a performing artist, I felt that from the cancer experience, in a way it kind of underlined to me, this is who you are. Like, not that I'm cancer and I don't want to be known as like the cancer singer songwriter. I was very, um, you know, worried about that in the sharing of it, but it, it gave me this feeling of knowing who you are and being a hundred percent able to stand up for that and speak for it. Um, and I think as songwriters, that's, um, it, that, that's sort of an area where it's hard to, I don't know, find your, your footing and, and get up on a stage and say, this is what I'm here, what I represent. This is what I have to offer you. This is, um, I, this is hard for me to explain, but it was just a, a feeling that when I went through the cancer, I had this sense of now I can stand up and speak for something 100%. Yeah. Um, like, like you had the clarity of your message. Yeah. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be great if we had that without having to go through cancer, <laughs> you know? So for performing artists, um, I don't know, it's just an interesting thought of what does it take for us to stand up and know that this is who I am, this is what I have to offer, and not to second guess it, you know? Well, yeah, and I love what you said about how having cancer made all everything fall away that was not you know, absolutely a priority. And I, I don't, I, I don't know, but I wonder if there's a way people can ask themselves what would fall away, you know, like, can they, can they engage in that? So yeah. to answer, so that they don't necessarily have to go through cancer to have that, that clarity, yeah. you know, or maybe it's even a daily practice. Oh, sure. And an opportunity when you know someone is going through that, we all can learn with each other, you know, sometimes that's a hidden gift when you're the one going through it. You, you, um, you can provide an opportunity for the people around you to, you know, check in and ask yourself those questions and think about what really matters. Yeah. Well, you know, I didn't ask you at the time and what, what I remember when you were going through this is that you were out and this is a little off the topic of songwriting, but you were out touring and you were oh, yeah. taking gig, you were out touring with Adam Cohen. Yeah. You were, and how, what was that like for you? You know, you weren't home resting. Well, I always yeah. wonder what that was like for you. Those decisions were those oh, yeah. clear too. Yeah. So um, I was just at the beginning of this tour with Adam Cohen when I got diagnosed and I was, uh, scheduled to be the opener for him in Canada and Europe. 
And that was the first time I was going to get to do any international touring. I was a really, really exciting time. It was kind of like, like my life was at the highest point musically it had ever been. And then this happened. And so when I first, it was like, okay, you have to get surgery right away. I said, okay, but I was scheduled to go to Australia two weeks later, or actually it was like three days later. Can I do that? Because I'd never been to Australia and I want to go. And she said, well, yeah, you can go. You just, you know, you might not be able to lift your arm up all the way and you can't carry heavy things, oh. you know, and you can wear like a compression sleeve. And I was like, okay, I'm doing it. And I think it was like this just... I have a super strong drive for life and travel and, and music. And it just, I don't know, it just, it was not going to dim that fire at all. And so I went and I played and she said, yeah, you're not going to need chemo. The surgery went great. Go play. I said, great. And then we're, we did Australia and then we were in Canada and then I got the call. Oh, well, we did another test and actually we think chemo might be good for you. So I came home and had to go through a lot of tests and the hardest, hardest decisions of my life really quickly. And um, I, in my search for a doctor, I was trying to find someone who would align with me and my personality and what I wanted and someone who would understand uh, my love for music. And I met with like seven doctors. And then finally I went to this one and I'm in his office meeting with him and he has all these books up on the shelf, all these oncology books. And there in the middle of all these medical journals is a book of poetry by Leonard Cohen. Mm. And I thought, aha, okay, here's someone who understands perhaps the, the love of the art that I'm pursuing. And I asked him about it and he was a, he, Leonard Cohen was just a really, really profound influence in his life. And uh, we hit it off. So he, I chose him as my doctor and I said, look, I tour and I play music and I want to keep doing it. And he said, good, you should, you know, when this happens in your life, you should absolutely do the things that you love. And he's, um, he said, it's a different day and age for chemo. You can fly on airplanes. You know, there's a lot you can do. And he said, I, I, I wouldn't, he said, I just think the life you've been living makes you up for this. You know, you're up for, you can do this if you want to. And so I really, I really feel that music helped me heal and feel present. And, you know, whenever I was playing on stage, it was just so in the moment and the cancer disappeared, you know, it all, it all just disappeared. It's what we all feel when we're singing a song, when you're in the moment and it was so healing and uh, so energizing for me. And I got a lot of support from my bandmates, you know, carrying equipment and helping me get through it because I didn't have the same energy. I would save it all for the stage. Um, right. But so I have, I'll share this one story of the light and the dark mm. uh, and how I got this through playing music while going through chemotherapy. Um, so I had... I was home getting ready to do all my treatments and I, I was, I was sort of planning to rest and not tour as much. And then Adam called and said, well, wow, guess what? We've been invited to open for Bob Dylan. <laughs> I was like, whoa, 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 what? And he said, 
uh, yeah, in the south of France. And I went, huh? Because I've lived in France. I speak French. I love French, everything. And then there's this folk hero, this living legend. And I was like, okay. So I look at my chemo schedule and the date's there, you know, and I look at I'm like, can I do this? Because you can't move around chemo. Like you have your set days. And I looked and sure enough, there was like just enough time to make it work. I could fly out and then I could come back and do my next infusion. I said, I really want to do this. And my doctor was cool with it and the band was cool with it. And so we went and uh, first we rehearsed in Canada and I got a little, this is a long story, sorry, but I got a little sty on my eye, which I've had, you know, from my whole life, I've had these, it's no big deal. It comes and goes, you put a hot compress on it, it goes away, but it didn't go away because I was under, like my immune system was so weak and it started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I started having this giant growth on my eye. And then we flew to France and, and now at this point, I can't put a contact lens in that eye. I can only put it in one eye. And it's so grotesque that now I'm wearing sunglasses. And on top of all this, I am wearing a wig because I'm bald. And in this particular band, I just chose to wear a wig. I didn't want to have my story be like front and center on stage because it was Adam's show. Um, So I'm wearing a wig. I'm wearing sunglasses, can't see out of one eye. Inside my body, I felt so, you know, deformed and just not myself, like having aspects of yourself stripped away. Even with something as superficial as hair, it, it absolutely changes the way you move in your body in the world, you know? Yeah. It's very strange. And so I'm wearing this wig, glasses, and we go to the show and – and it's in a Roman arena, a Roman Colosseum in the south of France. And we get up there for sound check. And I'm playing my cello. And it's just reverberating through this ancient arena. And I'm thinking, what in the world am I doing here? How did I get here? How is this happening? How is that me filling this giant arena right now? And, and, and then we played the show that night. It was glorious. It was amazing out-of-body experience, really, truly out-of-body experience. And um, we went back to the hotel right afterwards, and I took off the wig. I took off my sunglasses, looked at myself in the mirror, and I just thought, my gosh, like that you can be in the hardest, darkest, most scared place in your life and then also be doing the most awesome, spectacular out-of-body experience you've ever had. And I thought, well, how do those two things go together? That's amazing. And it, it was just a huge insight for me of there is absolutely light inside the dark. And, you know, you just have to have a little courage to go for it. And when I say go for it, I mean, just do the thing you love. Do the thing that lights you up. You know, if it's music or writing or art or some sort of sport or whatever it may be, that is where you know, we get the light even through our darkest times. Mm, I love that so much. Thank mm-hmm. you for telling that story. Welcome. Ah, oh, yeah. Such an important message to do what you love and you don't need to wait for the perfect circumstances. Yes. Um, 
and maybe in a way they feed each other. You're able to appreciate that, you know, reverberation in the Roman Colosseum even, even more. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's not like that getting to open for Bob Dylan in a Roman Colosseum is so, um, such a rare extreme treat. Like that doesn't happen every day. So it, it was sort of like the magnitude of it is what gave me the insight of this all like right okay (laughs) the story was just so magnified that i just saw it but i think it happens for all of us it can happen on a much more you know smaller level day to day it doesn't have to be you're opening for bob dylan right right It's, it's smaller opportunities every day that are just as meaningful i just needed the bigness of that to tell me that story that's beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah. Oh oh, such a good reminder um, for the songwriters listening. It's like talking about songwriting is like talking about, I don't know, our hearts and souls and about how to like live better. Um, thinking about you playing with Adam, opening for Bob Dylan um, brings me to another question I have about collaboration. Yeah. I, wonder, uh, I have wondered a little bit about your, we, we've played together. I've had the, I've been lucky enough to have you play cello on some of my songs and we've um, toured together and I've heard your beautiful songs. Um, so I'm just curious about your philosophy around collaboration and whether you're accompanying Leonard Cohen or Sarah Bareilles or whether you're co-writing with Raining Jane um, are those, do you have sort of some navigation tools that you're conscious of? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I think first and foremost, listening. It, I think when you're creating with people, it helps so much to listen first, you know, instead of output. It's listening to, um, if, as a cellist, um, my role involves a lot of listening. I'm listening to the songwriter, to the song, and I'm there to support. And, you know, there's moments where I can do flourishing stuff and take a solo and, you know, be musical in that way. But as a accompanist, as a collaborating accompanist, uh, a lot of my job starts with listening and leaving space for the other the thing that's happening at the forefront um and then in terms of co-writing like that's kind of a whole other category yeah that um has now been more more recently a big part of my life and that's stemmed from the work i've done with my band raining jane and we started co-writing with jason mraz 10 years ago Oh, wow. Ten years ago. Wow. We actually opened for him at a college. You know, he was doing a college show and Raining Jane opened and he stuck around and he watched our set. He loved what we were doing and he invited us to his house to play some music, record on his demos. And somehow we just struck a chord and the five of us started writing songs. I mean, he, he shared a song with us that he was working on and we worked on it with him and kind of took it to the next level. Um, that first song really was called A Beautiful Mess, and that ended up on one of his records. And there was something wow. amazing that happened 
when the five of us were writing together. And I learned so much from this. Um, so as Raining Jane, as a band for peace, all women, when we were writing, um, well, it's kind of like we'd always want every song to satisfy all of us because it was going to represent us. And so mm. you know, we wanted to make sure the song, we all believed in the song and it, and it kind of satisfied all of our different musical desires and lyrical desires. And, and that, that was, there's a struggle to that because, you know, one song isn't meant to satisfy every person equally. Mm. Um, hmm. So we had a lot of different ways of writing together. Um, but when we started working with Jason, it was like there was this fifth element where we could funnel everything through and sort of let go a little bit of, of hyper-controlling everything and trust that it was going to come through his voice. Um, and it was, it was, it finally opened up this balance with songwriting where you're putting all of your heart into it, but you're also letting it go. And you kind of let this, mm. this other entity kind of funnel it through to the final expression. And that's been such good practice mm. for co-writing and then just songwriting in general. But, um, it's been really great, really freeing. And I think now we've written dozens and dozens of songs together and it's such a, it's such a fun experience and um, trusting the process and listening and leaving space for everybody to share their ideas. And uh, it's just been so successful. It's been, it's been really good. I think on the one hand, we're just lucky there's a nice chemistry, so it works. Mm -hmm. um, but on the other hand, I think there's some lesson there to be learned about uh, not clutching too tightly to something, especially mm -hmm. when you're co-writing, to just let it evolve and go where it wants to go and really trust that. And I think yeah. having Jason in our circle gave us something we were willing to trust because he had such a big voice, such a big heart, such talent and skill that we could sort of hand it over in a way. Yeah. Um, so... I love that. Yeah. But putting your whole heart, I love that it's putting your whole heart into it and being able to let go. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It's so hard. It's great practice though. It's, it's really so, good it practice. It probably gets easier over time. Like you think, yeah. this is my best idea ever. Like what if they yeah. don't take it? Oh like, yeah. It happens <laughs> all the time. You're like, yeah, about this. And no one says anything. You're like, oh, come on. I think it's so good. Okay. <laughs> Well, okay. I'll use it later for something else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, is there anything that you would want to share with the songwriters listening? Any breakthroughs you've had um, mm. around craft? Um, and just like, I always feel like concrete um, examples, which you've given so many stories, which I think is so key because like the details are where like the gold is. Um mm if you have any concrete stories around like craft breakthroughs or. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Three things come to mind. Awesome. Um, the first one is um, really surrounding yourself by people that inspire you and music that inspires you. Um, I think for me, a big part of what has propelled me forward in the songwriting world is finding my community and that happened through the folk festival scene. And I've been now participating for about 10 years 
like at the Rocky Mountain Song School in Colorado, um, the Kerrville Folk Festival, Telluride. Um, I just went to Sisters for the first time in Oregon. These communities that create a space to honor and celebrate songwriting, I treasure. Um, and they are places where I go every summer to recharge and to be inspired by great song craft and people who love to talk about songwriting. You know, mm -hmm. I love to talk about it. I love being in songwriting groups. Um, and I find that feeling like you're a part of a community and getting to hear and receive so much from that community is huge. It propels me forward and makes me want to dig deeper into the craft. It gives me a sounding board and, you know, a place to really dig in. So song schools, retreats, songwriting groups, all of those things help. I have done songwriting groups where we've done a weekly songwrite. I've done that on and off for the last four years. And I've done it almost, I definitely have done it for four months in a row. And then I, there, we take a break and then do another four months where you're writing a song every week, mm -hmm. writing it on your, by yourself, and then you're posting it in this private group. And that's great practice, you know, because you're practicing the art of finishing something. And it can be total crap, but you're finishing it. So it counts and it makes you a better songwriter. And so the regularity is a big piece, I think, for anybody who does any art of any kind, writing or songwriting the regularity of showing up to the page is huge. We can never uh, overestimate, is that the right word? That. Um, so the weekly song write is a great practice. Um, I've also gone through periods where I'll do a morning write. Every morning, you know, you could do the 20 minute morning pages from the artist's way. That's huge. Mm -hmm. Or you could just do 10 minutes of object writing right in the morning when you wake up. Pat Patterson talks a lot about object writing and it's like opening up your uh, subconscious and tapping into all the senses and writing from that place without stopping, without putting your pen down. And you just write, 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 write and just see what happens. And I'm um, trying to remember that, that object writing, is that its own book or is it a portion of writing better lyrics? Because he has yeah. two books. One of yeah. people. He has a few books now. Um, and I think... I don't think there's a book titled Object Writing. Like it's within Writing Better Lyrics. Yeah. yeah. So you can Google that. Yeah. yeah. It's a great tool. It's so easy. And if you just apply yourself to it, you really do get a lot out of it. Because it, if, you if you allow yourself to dive into your subconscious every morning for 10 minutes and you cap it and you don't go further, you'll start to go deeper faster every time. Yeah. So it's a good, I find that to be a really good practice. Um, and same with the morning pages. When you do 20 minutes of writing, it kind of just like clears the drain. It mm -hmm. you know, lets it all out. And then when you sit down later in the day to write your songs, there's just a, a wider opening, I find. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And maybe uh, throughout your day, you're also noticing in a different way because you kind of prime yeah, your... Exactly your mind uh first thing yeah, yeah so so whether it's summer camps or retreats it's maybe a weekly writing group you put together um 
um, the, maybe the morning pages are a 10 minute object, right? This, this is gold people. This is gold. Yeah. It's gold. It's good it works. One of them or all of them. I, um, and this is one of the reasons I put together soul song school so that people could be connecting during the year and, and writing and giving each other feedback and just having that, like, you know, it's like, for me, it's like, I can't always write on a deadline, but sometimes just having that deadline, like, Oh, I'm going to be meeting yeah. my later. And I told her I was going to play her this, song about my kids so um I better write it or just do something Absolutely. you know um I don't know if you know Carrie Cooper yeah she was one of the first people that I spoke with and she played this gorgeous song that she wrote in 10 minutes because five women were coming to her house and she was supposed to have written to this prompt she was like I don't know and she took a walk and she's like I just wanted to show that it doesn't always have to be like the muse knocking on your window yeah it's so amazing when that happens too um yeah anyway, cool there's so much under pressure like that exactly there's so much joy to be had with the the experience of just finishing an idea even if it's terrible it doesn't matter there's so much we get out of just finishing do you know a song draft it's yeah. gold it's so valuable wait you know i just thought of something which i i was talking to someone the other day about how when they go to write a blog post or um, they'll labor over it for days, but if they go to write a Facebook post, they just write it in five yeah. minutes. And I, I'm now thinking to myself, like, if I'm ever having trouble with a subject, I should write it as if it's a Facebook post, because then I'll get everything yeah. out. And later I can come back and like pull out details or, you know, but then at least it's, yeah. bad, you know, because yeah. I think we bring a different like metric or j judgment depending on the format and, and switching formats. Uh, could be helpful. Absolutely. We I'm need, giving myself like, advice. <laughs> more, more, um, yeah, the, the more refined it has to be or the, the smaller the space that you're allowed to do it within sometimes helps us get it out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yay. This is so fun. So is there anything else? I just kind of want to know, has it been so amazing playing on these? You, I saw this video. Oh, yeah. You, at, at Radio City Music Hall, I know you played the Hollywood Bowl. Are you just on cloud it's nine? Crazy, yeah, it's amazing. I was telling someone the other day. The funny thing is, when you play these big giant arenas like the Hollywood Bowl, we played with Jason a couple months ago. Um, it's sort of like the bigger the stage, the more the more giant it was the smaller it felt like it's hard to explain but I would I just started to feel like oh we're just in someone's living room playing like it um, it gets so big that uh, it's sort of like the whole audience and the whole space itself is the giant thing and you're just up there to just you know add this this little bit but it, like it's the whole experience <laughs> is already happening so right it's a funny feeling it's like you don't feel responsible for it feel like just stepping into it and celebrating it um and it's just incredible honor to get to have been a part of jason's fan base uh you know people who absolutely are crazy for music and have so much good vibes and yeah to get to show up and be a part of that to be a recipient of it and to you know help contribute to that message and that energy is 
is beyond. It's it's the greatest feeling ever. It's, oh, I love it's hearing incredible. That. I love and, it. You know, this is like with your best friends who you've worked so hard with. We've worked for so long. Raining Jane has been together for almost 20 years, like 15 plus years. And it just goes to show me that hard work pays off. You know, it, we really paid our dues and, and have just put everything into music and to be riding this wave right now. It's a, it's a beautiful and rare opportunity, but I do think it comes from all the hard work and all the passion that we gave to this, you know, for years and trying to grow individually, but also as a band and yeah, it just is beautiful to get to participate in this, this chapter. I love that story. And I feel that you all, you, the members of the Raining Jane band, you love each other. And that's like yeah. part of it too. Like you, you can travel together. Yeah. <laughs> so beautiful. Thank you for spending time with us. Um, are you willing to play one more song and tell us a story about how it came to exist? Okay, let's see. Um, uh, uh, oh, I didn't ask you about rock and roll camp for girls. Oh. Is there anything you want to say about? I mean, so in addition to checking out my bloom, mybloomfield.com, which is m a i b l o o m f i e l d dot com, and Raining Jane's site, um, uh, my also helped found this camp. Is there anything that people should know about that? Oh, yeah. I mean, so Rock and Roll Camp for Girls Los Angeles is um, its own camp, but it was modeled after and it's part of the alliance of, well, it was modeled after the first Rock and Roll Camp for Girls, which started in Portland, Oregon. And now there are um, probably over 75 camps that are based on this model and that are all affiliated with an international alliance of rock rock and roll camp for girls so they're actually in other countries too and um each camp is its own entity but we're all kind of connected through the alliance um it is a social justice organization so we're dedicated to empowering girls through music and we have female mentors you know the people who run the camp and lead the camp during the day are women because we want the girls to get to see women playing and writing and setting up the sound and doing all these things because um, we learn by example. And so we, we want girls to see that up close and personal. Um, the girls who go to camp are ages eight to 17 and we have volunteers. Um, we do have some male volunteers, but for the most part it's female and or it's women. Um, and Let's see, we have a summer camp in June, July. We've now done this for seven years. I think we've, we've um, had at least 500 campers so far. Mm. And we have a phenomenal volunteer base. If you're in the Los Angeles area and you want to be a part of this, I invite you to please join us because it's an incredible group of 
awesome people doing great work in the world. Um, and if you're in another city or another state, look up the Rock and Roll Camp for Girls that's near you because there's one in almost every state, at least, huh? at least one. And it's just a great opportunity for people to um, teach, mentor, coach a band, make a difference in a young girl's life to put an instrument in her hands. Let her, let her have do access. The young girls, like eight-year-olds, do they have to already know how to play an instrument? No, they don't. Um, it's open to uh, all levels of experience. Nice. Yeah. And same for the volunteers. You don't have to be a musician. You just have to have the, the desire and the passion to want to support girls to collaborate and lift each other up. Cool. So if you want to know more about that, you can look it up online, Rock and Roll yeah. Camp for Girls LA or Rock and Roll Camp for Girls in many other cities. And cities. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. So let's hear the song. <gasps> let's hear another song. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't prepared. Um, okay. Let's see if I can do this one. Um, Maybe it's a curse Or maybe a cure It's been three days Since my life changed Three little words And if it's true what they say You don't know what you got till it's gone And I gotta learn fast How to let go And still hold on Baby, oh baby Let me be sweet to you some things in life we still get to choose And baby, oh baby, you're so sweet to me Life is uncertain, but she sure is a beauty We drove out of city New York sky You put a ring On my finger In the pink sunshine Standing there by the river Ooh, at the edge of the day The setting sun Lit up the moon As if to say
maybe it's a curse or maybe a cure it stopped my heart it changed my life three little words yeah baby oh baby let me be sweet to you some things in life we still get to choose yeah do yeah do baby oh baby you are so sweet to me life is uncertain life is uncertain you know life is uncertain life is uncertain life is uncertain you you're certain to me thank you so much my bloomfield thank you so beautiful if there's one last piece of advice you would like to give to the songwriters and creative souls listening what would it be it would be open your heart show up to the page give yourself permission every day i love that okay bye my and thank you so much thanks so much for joining us if you know someone who would enjoy or benefit from this podcast please share it with them thanks so much much love.